You're listening to Byzantine Gospel Reflections, a podcast made possible through the work of the Institute of Catholic Culture in collaboration with the Melkite Eparchy of Newton. I'm Father Hezekiah Carnazzo, founder and director of the Institute and host for this program. In this podcast, we'll explore the historical and literary context, themes, and significance of the readings for the coming Sunday. This podcast was originally recorded as a video. For the full viewing experience, please visit us at instituteofcatholicculture.org. Blessed is our God at all times, both now and ever, and into ages of ages. Amen. Heavenly King, Consoler, Spirit of Truth, present in all places and filling all things, the treasury of blessings and the giver of life. Come and dwell within us, cleanse us of all stain, and save our souls, O good one. Welcome back to all of our participants for this third Sunday after Pentecost, as we continue to, in some sense, continue to celebrate the Feast of Pentecost in the lives of the apostles as we, we just celebrated the Feast of Saints Peter and Paul, and, and are asked by the Church really to apply this mystery of Pentecost and apostleship to our own lives. We're going to focus this week just on the Gospel text, which comes to us from Matthew chapter 6 verse 22 through 23. So get out your Bibles. Look, my Bible's falling apart. I need a new binding. It's terrible. So <laughs> look at that, Father Sebastian. Uh, <laughs> I gotta go get, I found a lady to bind my, my Bible, by the way. I'm going to go get that done. But uh, anyways, welcome everybody. Matthew chapter uh, 6, verse 22 through 33. Um, and, uh, and, and let's just jump right in here. We're gonna, I'm very excited about this study, by the way, Father Sebastian, because we get to do a fun thing. That is, we get to take a pilgrimage to the Sea of Galilee together and pull up some, some pictures because it's so important that we get the context. As I oftentimes say, a text without a context is no text at all. And one of the important contexts of the text of Scripture is the geography. So we're going to jump in and take a look at where Jesus was when he was teaching this to get a sense of, of, of why he's saying what he's saying. So Matthew chapter 6, verse 22 through 33. The Lord said, the lamp of the body is the eye, and if your eye is sound, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is evil, your whole body will be full of darkness. Therefore, if the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness itself? No man can serve two masters, for either he hates the one and loves the other, or else he will stand by the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. Therefore, I say to you, do not be anxious for your life, what you shall eat and drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall wear. Is not life a greater thing than, the, than, than food and the body than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you of much more value than they? But which of you, by being anxious about it, can add to his stature a single cubit? And as for clothing, why are you anxious? See how the lilies of the field grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all of his glory was adorned like one of these. But if God so clothes the wild flowers of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows you need all these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and his justice, and all the rest shall be given to you besides. 
There's much to say here from a homily standpoint, but is our goal here, Father Sebastian, to, as I said before, give the context, the, the historical, literal context, so that we lay the good groundwork for the homily on Sunday. We're going to focus not so much on the application of spiritual life as, where is Jesus saying this? And to make sure that we understand exactly what he's saying, because there's some, there's some concepts here which may be difficult for us to understand, concepts like the kingdom of God, or, or this phrase, you cannot serve God in mammon. What is he talking about mammon? Uh, not a word familiar to most of us. So, so first of all, as we usually do, give us the context here. Matthew chapter 6, what's going on in the gospel and the life of Christ here in his ministry? Sure. So the context here is the early part of Jesus's ministry. At the beginning of Jesus's ministry, we know after that, that time in the wilderness, the 40 days in the wilderness, he goes and he calls the disciples on the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee. We talked about that last week. And the next thing he does is lead those disciples with crowds that are now beginning to follow him up the hill, which is just above this spot where he called them. And he delivers to them at that moment what, uh, what becomes known as the Sermon on the Mount which is filled with the beautiful Beatitudes and all of also the, the teachings we just saw. So what I want to do for a minute, Father, is stop and pull up some slides so that people can get a sense of where this is going on. So the first thing I want to pull up here is this map that you see now of the Holy Land. So, so here you're going to see the Dead Sea, okay, and Judea, Bethlehem, and Jerusalem. Just north of the Dead Sea, you're going to see Jericho. And just east of Jericho is the site of the baptism of the Lord. I show that to you because you'll notice in your Bibles that in chapter 3 of the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus is baptized. And then it says in chapter 4, verse 12, Now when he heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee. Okay, so he's going to go up to Galilee having visited Nazareth. Okay, Nazareth is up here. Okay, and he's going to go to Galilee and to the Sea of Galilee, and this is where this, this is going to take place. Right here along the Sea of Galilee, you'll see Capernaum, Magdala, Tiberias, and in between this, Gennesaret. Okay, it's just right up here on the hill. We're going to show you where this took place. So here's your Sea of Galilee, and a little closer shot over here, where you're going to see the Church of the Beatitudes set up on this hill, just over, really kind of looking over Capernaum, and this area where Jesus multiplied the five loaves and the two fishes took place right down here. So he goes up on this hill. It's a favorite place for him to teach from. It is a beautiful vantage point of the sea. So here's basically where the area where Jesus was teaching from, overlooking the, the Sea of Galilee. So this is the beautiful place where Jesus was teaching from called the Mount of Beatitudes. And the reason why we want to show all of this to you, I'm going to pull up another slide now so we're picture rich this study. There's some interesting things that Jesus mentions. And the other thing that there that most people don't realize are parakeets that fly through the air all in the area of this of the Sea of Galilee, the birds of the air. The other thing is the flowers of the field. And you can see some of those flowers growing there. It's a very beautiful area where the soil is very rich. There's wildflowers everywhere. So with that background, now I encourage you to go back and read through this text because 
you have to stand in the story. You can't, you know, we read this, the, the, these, these biblical texts, the teachings of Jesus, oftentimes out of context, and, they're, and then they just become nice words. Oh, Jesus talking about the flowers of the field, the birds of the air, and pretty soon we've got him wearing Birkenstocks and the ponytail, smoking the peace pipe, but this is not what's going on. Jesus is there on the Sea of Galilee, and he's, and he's literally, he's looking, look, look at, the, look at the flowers of the field. Look at the birds of the air flying around. And if, if we get that vision, then we can gain much from this beautiful gospel text. And Jesus says, Father, you cannot serve both God and mammon. Talk to us a little bit about this biblical concept of mammon. Sure. So the, the word mammon, mammona, as we get in the Greek there, is an Aramaic word. And its root basically refers to the stuff that you usually need to have, you know, kind of, uh, it can refer to wealth, but not necessarily excessive wealth or anything like that. It just means, you know, money, clothing, material objects, the material stuff that, that everyone has, you know, the house, the clothes, the, you know, whatever. And so there's this, this contrast there uh, between, between God and mammon, because what happens often, you know, for us is we, we turn those material things into, uh, into a thing which we think will be our, our source of joy and happiness and fulfillment, like Adam in the garden with that fruit, right? And so we, we will sometimes take the material world and assume with it some sort of properties that it can give us this fulfillment, but in the end, only God can do that. And so we've, we've, almost kind of made it like a, a false idol, like a false God. And so you've got this, the two, the two masters or now God versus mammon. Mm. Not that there's an opposition between God and creation. The creator gave us the creation. God made that tree of knowledge in the garden. But when we take that creation and worship it as if it's the creator, then we've got idolatry. Isn't this the, the, the key is that in, in opposition or in communion, as you said, God has given us the created order um, and in, in, in some sense has, has made us kings over creation. He's given us dominion as he gave to our, our first parents. We come to the final, the final sentence there in the gospel, seek first the kingdom of God and his justice and all the rest shall be given you besides. So there's this, there's this happy bringing together of both if we place them in their proper order. And I just, as we come to our conclusion today, Father, ask you to, to speak a little bit about, uh, about this concept of the kingdom of God. We've talked about it before, but I think it's a concept that is, it's important that we constantly have it in front of our minds because from, a, from, the, from the church's perspective, from a biblical perspective, we have inherited the kingdom. And now, today, and we oftentimes lose that perspective, I think, in our modern American society where we compartmentalize going to church on Sunday is one thing I do, hopefully, and then, and then the rest of our life. But Jesus introduces us into this kingdom through baptism. I just ask you to speak a little bit about that biblical concept of the kingdom of God. So uh, as you just said, the baptism, you know, the, and the sacraments initiation, baptism, chrismation, Eucharist is what, you know, this is what initiates us into Jesus, into the kingdom. Jesus is the kingdom of God reestablished, the place where God and man dwell in perfect accord, and man lives in harmony with, in accord with 
God's word. Right? So this is, this is what it means to be, to be uh, a member of, of the body of Christ, to be a member of the church. And so the church is the kingdom of God reestablished. And, and as we've spoken before, the kingdom of God is an idea that isn't just come out of the blue. It's an Old Testament concept. Israel was God's kingdom and God was the king. And so, um, and so the, the kingdom of God that we find in the New Testament, that we find being restored, is, is a kingdom that reminds us of the story of Israel. But really, it should remind us not only there, we shouldn't stop there, but should keep rewinding back to the whole story all the way back to the garden. Because we see the kingdom of God established. The first time we see the kingdom, where the whole order, the kingdom, mankind dwelling and living in accord with their king, is in the story of Eden, where God is the king, has created his children in his image and likeness, and they are made in that perfect, harmonious relationship with him in covenant and with all of creation, so that everything is properly ordered. And so in the end, then, what we find in the reestablishment of that kingdom in Israel or the restoration of it ultimately in Jesus is a restoration of Eden, as the scriptures show us at the end of the book of Revelation. I mean, the church now places this before us as reality that we have received the gift of the Holy Spirit on the Feast of Pentecost with the apostles. Uh, and, you know, there's an ancient tradition that tells us that after having received the gift of the Holy Spirit, and seeing what God was preparing for them in the baptism of the 3,000 in Jerusalem, that they fasted in this time to prepare for their ministry, to leave Jerusalem and go out into the world, as Jesus said, to teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. So the apostles prepared for this mission through this intensive fast that then brought them, ensured the proper ordering of their life in relationship to creation through fasting, and then uh, prepared them for this ministry. We too now, having kept the apostles fast, celebrated the Feast of Pentecost, are called to this time of, of mission, of apostleship, to be willing to go out into the world without concern for what may come. For to set aside our concerns that the world wants us to be concerned about, making money and getting ahead and all these things, to set those things aside, because those things are all all the good things of the world God wants for us, but, but they're only good for us if they're in relationship to our relationship with our king. And then to go and now re-engage in our relationships with, with work, you know, with our families, with our neighbors and so forth, in this new vision of the gift of the Holy Spirit, which transforms those relationships, transforms our work relationships, transforms all of this. As you were saying, Father, last week regarding uh, Paul's tent making and, and Peter bringing the boat, his boat to the service of the Lord, our whole life now is laid at the foot of Christ. We lose nothing. We gain everything in that our whole life is now in covenant union with the one who gives us the one thing we desire, which is eternal life. To Christ our God be glory both now and ever, and unto ages of ages. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Institute of Catholic Culture's Byzantine Gospel Reflections podcast. The Institute of Catholic Culture is an adult catechetical organization dedicated to the re-evangelization of our society through educational and cultural programs offered to the public at no charge. 
I invite you to explore all we have to offer, including over 900 hours of on-demand catechetical opportunities, and sign up for our upcoming events by visiting instituteofcatholicculture.org.